Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name's Graham, and I am the pastor at Into One Community Church, and I want to just let you know again that I am really thankful to have all of you with us today as we choose to worship God together and to share together in His words. I'm thankful to have all of you out there at church online. Thank you for inviting us into your home and into your lives. Thank you for all those who are at church on Main Street. We appreciate you being here as well. And together, because we are still together, we are moving on this road trip in earnest pursuit of Christ. We are being drawn together into one. Together. That's where we are headed. That's where we're going. And so let me just tell you where we are. We're in episode two of a four-episode series called Necessary Sins. And if you missed last week and you say, uh, what's a necessary thing? I didn't think that was a thing. Well, there's things in our culture that we can kind of all basically always agree on that they're wrong, you know, like big stuff, rape and murder, always bad things like that. But in our kind of softened culture, there's a lot of things that are still wrong in the eyes of God, but many people would look at those things and say, but they're not really that big of a deal, right? It's not, don't get all bent out of shape about it. We might call them more acceptable sins or permittable sins, understandable, necessary sins. And the reality is, though, just because our culture says that it's okay, that doesn't mean that God says that it's okay. And that's a huge reminder for us right off the very top. If God says that they are not good, then there is a reason that those things are not good. These things damage relationships. And there's four key relationships that we are always consistently trying to manage. We've got a relationship to God, our relationship to others, a relationship to ourself, and then one to creation as well. So it's with all of these relationships in mind that we're looking at four of these very common sins together. So last episode, we took uh, a look at lying. And then in the future, we're going to look at two other biggies, lust and anger. That's right. There's a little bit of something out there for everyone. We're going to find you in your sinful wickedness. But I introduced our subject for today. And what I want to do is to help us to re-pray. Uh, the very same pray that, prayer that we prayed last episode and the same prayer that we're going to pray at the start of every other episode. Because we're not here just for information. What we're here for is transformation. We don't want you just to know stuff, but we want you to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I hope that that's what you're looking for. I hope that's the direction that, that you're going, that you're choosing to point yourself in that kind of a focus. So these are intentional next steps in earnest pursuit of Jesus. And so we're going to look at a prayer from David in Psalm 139. We prayed it last week, and if you're comfortable, I would like to encourage you, pray it along with me. Say these things. We'll put them up for you so you can see them. Here's the prayer, starting at verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 24. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Search us, God. See if there is anything anxious in us. Point out anything in us, God, that would offend you. Lead us on the path towards everlasting life. Now, with our hearts open to hear from God. I, I, I want to tell you that today's subject is going to be, frankly, a little bit of a difficult one. So to help you out, look around wherever you are at home or here, look around, point at somebody else and say, today, this one's for you, all right? 
Don't be left out. Come on, point at somebody else and tell them, today we're talking all about you. This is about you today. And if you've got any juicy gossip that you need to share, you've got about 12 seconds to share it, because after this message, I don't know if you're going to feel, I hope you don't feel comfortable sharing it for a very long time. Because that's right, today we're going to talk about gossip. But we're not going to do it behind your back. We're going to do it right out in the open, right in front of you. Uh, and if you don't like my message today, I can understand that. If you don't agree with me, that's okay. You can always sit down after this to a nice fine lunch of roast pastor, and you can gossip about me later on today. I'm kind of used to it. But I hope, in all sincerity, that God is going to speak to you in a way that would impact your life. That's the point. Let's just start with this way, okay? How many of you have ever been gossiped about? Somebody was talking about you. You remember the stories coming back for you? It's painful, isn't it? In my line of work, that's just kind of something, it's just part of the game. You know, it happens a lot. I wish it didn't, but I've seen it. I've heard it. I've felt it over my 25 years of uh, full-time ministry. But I, I also experienced that. I didn't just hear about it. There is no entry-level age for that. It happens way before full-time ministry. And some of you will remember way back when uh, Into One first appeared on the Stouffville scene. Uh, it wasn't long after we'd been here. We were meeting at 19 on the park, just five buildings east of here. We'd been around for a bit, and we'd run a few ads in the newspaper. I'd been asked to join the Stouffville Christian Ministerial Association, and in our second summer, they asked me to speak at the annual, annual multi-church uh, service at Strawberry Festival. So it was kind of my first big introduction and, and our first big introduction to the general Stouffville church community. So I get up, and I do my part and uh, uh, I, after that, I wait at the front to try and greet anyone who uh, makes the mistake of coming too close to me at the end. And there's kind of this nice little group of people coming up to say hi and thank you and, and whatever. And, and as I'm talking to this one couple, I notice that the line is kind of building. I go, that's a little unexpected, frankly. I better keep these people moving so we, we can take care of everyone. And then as the group comes along, I meet, I meet these different people and two, three, four times I'm hearing about what a wonderful job I did at talking about Jesus and how glad they are that we are not a cult. <laughs> that means for about two years, they had been thinking and discussing that they thought Into One was a cult. Great job. So, so glad that you are not a cult. And thanks for removing my uh, cult leader status, I guess. Uh, so I was amused by that. I've never forgotten it and confused by it at the same time. It's kind of odd to walk in on a conversation where somebody's gossiping about you. Um, but in our culture, gossip just seems to be more and more of a necessary part of getting through the workday. It's how we relate. It, it's, it's just what we do. Uh, it, it just had to be said, didn't it? I mean, somebody had to say it. It almost seems like a necessary part of these conversations. It's part of our relational glue that we use. Hey, I'm not supposed to talk to you about this, all right? But you're not going to believe what I heard. Well, you, wait, wait till you hear what everybody's saying. Hey, okay, you got to promise me. Promise me up front. You can't say anything to anybody. I'm not supposed to tell you. But you're, you're going to really want to hear what I've got to say. And those phrases, we know them, right? But it's not a big deal is it? I mean, everybody does it at some point, don't they? 
So let's go ahead and try to define what gossip is, and then we're going to try and uh, look at what God says about gossip and what does that mean for us. So obviously there's a bunch of different definitions of gossip out there floating around, but I thought one that stuck out for me that was incredibly practical was one that came from Pastor Rick Warren. It's not a literal definition, but boy, it's very workable and it's convicting, very enlightening. And so he said this, when we're talking about a situation with somebody who's neither part of the solution or part of the problem, we're probably gossiping. And that's an interesting perspective. When we're talking about something with someone that's not a part of the problem and not a part of the solution, then we're probably gossiping. That's clarifying, and frankly, it's a little convicting. It makes me feel uncomfortable. But it's not a big deal, right? Let's see what God has to say about it. So uh, Proverbs chapter 6, starting at verse 16, and then we're going to go to 19. Verse 16 first. There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. And he, it's not that he just doesn't like them. God despises these seven things. And what is it about this short list? that God can't stand. How did these things make that list? Verse 19 says, God despises a false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. God cannot stand. He detests gossiping. And now I ask myself, I wonder why gossip would make such a short list of what God hates. And I don't know for sure, to be honest, but two possible reasons. One I'll tell you now, one I'll tell you in a moment. First one is this. I don't know about you if you have the same sort of thoughts, but people can gossip about me. I'm more able to hear that. I'm used to that. It's right. I can tolerate that. But you start to gossip about one of my kids or my wife, I'm fighting mad, right? It just, it just boils up inside. It, it might even be true what you're saying, but you say something about one of my kids Man, that just fires me up. And I, and I think, you know, think about it for you. You have that same sort of fire that burns inside when someone is casting you or someone you love in a negative light. You know what we're actually talking about then when we do that? We're talking about someone who is made in God's image. And that might be one of the, the, the reasons that God finds this so offensive. And even though gossip is, is incredibly, incredibly wrong and hurtful and pervasive, there's also something about it that is sickeningly attractive to gossip. Proverbs 18, 8 says it like this. The words of gossip are like what? You can see it there now. I know you can see it. Say it with me. They are like choice morsels. They go down into the inmost parts. We put them on the inside. They become part of us. There is something sickeningly enjoyable about participating in the destructive sin of gossip. And so last episode, we tried talking about lying, and then here it's lying, and then we tried to get underneath it to what are, what are the roots, what is the motive of this sin? And I want to try and do that again with gossip. So over the years, I, I talk to people, and I write things down a bunch of the times, and so I ask people, I know that we all kind of gossip, all right? If you have ever gossiped, um, why? Why did you do it? Just be really, really honest. This will be really, really helpful. And so I looked at my own life at the same time. Why have I participated in gossip. And I asked, what is it that drives me? What's underneath there? What's firing that engine? And as I talked to some other people, these are some things that they said. Maybe you can hear yourself in here. Well, honestly, if I'm uh, sharing gossip, it makes me feel kind of important. 
uh, I've got the power in this situation. And all of a sudden, I feel elevated. Others said, when I start to gossip, it makes me feel better about myself. It takes the spotlight off me. And it's something kind of great. When somebody else looks bad, it makes me feel good about me. One guy said, honestly, I think I lead such a boring, dull life that, what, that hearing something juicy about somebody else, something that's going on, it's just kind of entertaining. And I want that because I'm bored. The bottom line is, all these reasons that I looked at my own, I can't find a single good reason to participate in gossip. In fact, every reason that I might do it is a reflection of the darkness in my own heart. In doing it, I am exposing my own inner darkness. Why do you think that God may hate gossip? One thing is because I don't think he likes it when people talk bad about his children, people who's made in his image. The other thing could be that it's a reflection of the darkness and the sinfulness of the human heart, and it exposes but magnifies it as well. So why do you gossip? Why do I gossip? Not a single good reason. So if we can agree on that, that yes, everybody may do it, it's very common, but just because everybody does it doesn't mean that it's pleasing to God. And as followers of Jesus, we are called by God to live higher than the culture and to live according to his word. And even though everybody else does something, Well, we want to be living in a way that's different. We want to live in a way that pleases Him, following the path that He has directed. We want to live in a way that pursues Jesus. So how do we go about overcoming the sin of gossip? So I looked at, you know, kind of every verse in the Bible where it comes up as a subject, and to be honest, there's an awful lot of Scripture that deals with this subject. And I broke it down into three specific questions that I want to raise in my own mind as my defense mechanism. I believe these will help you, help me to overcome the sin of gossip. So when we're in the middle of blah, 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 and we're going on, we're talking to somebody, start asking yourself these questions. Let them pop into your head. The first one is this. Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? So let's try it. Say it with me, please. Today is participation day. Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to see this guy who's named Saul, okay, who said the most hurtful and destructive things about Christians. And then he saw the light, became a follower of Jesus, and we watch how Saul becomes Paul. We watch his tone completely change. Look at verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is what? Come on, say that part again. Only that which is helpful for building others up. So it's not just the same if if you just hear it, right? That's why you need to say it out loud. You need to hear yourself say it. You need to have your mouth form the words of Scripture and then realize it applies to you. Don't let anything unhelpful, unwholesome come out of your mouth but only which is helpful to build others up. Is my conversation helpful or is it hurtful? Proverbs 16, 27. 
This is uh, Solomon writing, the wisest man who ever lived. He said, scoundrels create trouble. Their words are a destructive blaze. They set a fire, and that fire can't be controlled. It just goes. Your words can burn lives. 28, a troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Who's lived there? Gossip separates the best of friends. Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? And what I really want to do is be really, really honest. No one knows what you're thinking, okay? Just you. But be honest with you. And that's what I've been trying to do. I've been trying to think about this for myself as well. And I got to tell you, as a pastor, I cannot afford to be known as a gossip. I don't know if you can, but I can't. Because one of my God-given roles is to carry the intimate details of some people's lives, to help shepherd them through it. I cannot be a gossip. But you know how we can slide it in sometimes on the down low, we can sneak it in there? You know what one of the best places for gossip to take place in the church is? Prayer meeting, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. You've been to one of these things. And what can happen is that sometimes it's a gossip session. We start with, who do we need to pray for today? Oh, honey, I'll tell you who we need to pray for today, child. I'll tell you about sister so-and-so. You would not believe what she has been up to. And so we spend an hour and 45 minutes talking about sister so-and-so, and so we run out of time to pray. But we do feel oh so good because we were praying for sister so-and-so, right? We have to be honest. You've got to hear these things for yourself. This is truth, right? It's the truth. It's true. Well, if it's true, then it's fair game and I can talk about it, right? No, that's not the way that it works. Scripture doesn't say that the line of delineation is true or untrue. It's helpful or hurtful. Helpful or unhelpful. So here's the deal. Everything you say must be true. But everything that's true does not need to be said. Is it helpful or is it hurtful? I want my words to lift others up rather than tear them down. Is my conversation going to do that? What kind of a world do you want to live in? Bring that world into existence. Don't wait for somebody else to make it happen. You live it into existence. You make it come to life. So next question we're going to ask, trying to think in my head, what am I doing? What am I saying? Am I making private things public? Am I making something that, that, that should have been kept in confidence? Public. Proverbs 11, 12. Solomon again, and he says here, it's foolish to belittle one's neighbor. A sensible person keeps their big mouth shut. That's the new blunt version of the translation, okay? At the end. Verse 13, a gossip goes around telling secrets, but those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Gossip goes around telling secrets. But those who are trustworthy can keep a confidence. Am I making private matters public? It can be like this, okay? This is a true story. You don't know these people. Imagine a couple. The husband has committed adultery against the wife. It's tragic. It's horrible. It is, it's a terrible thing. But by the grace of God, he is very repentant. And his wife is, is actually... Uh, coming around. She's processing. She's finding a way toward starting to forgive him. She was growing, and, and, and they were healing in their relationship. They were getting stronger. The right thing to do at the appropriate time is to bring in a little bit of a broader community where they have those people who are closest to them with them to help them heal. 
You can't keep a secret forever. If you keep a secret forever, you'll never heal. And so you bring the appropriate people in at the appropriate time, and you get their support. Just a small, already tight-knit, committed group. So, so you get that group, and, and, and you gently make it public to the group. And that can be so incredibly helpful. And the wife, she was healing even more now. She's, she's feeling more supported. She's feeling restored and safe and cared for and loved. And then one lady in the group thought that she needed to tell one other lady outside of the group, even though it was said, please don't tell anyone. Not yet. In time, maybe not yet. But she told someone else, why? Just to have them pray. And this person went on Facebook and told all her friends to pray. This is something we got to pray about. And it went public like this. And now this doubly betrayed wife broke down. I, I can't go out in public now. I'm totally humiliated. We can never recover from this. And she just spun out. There was no stopping it now. And so she ends up divorcing her husband and moving away. And I'm telling you, they were on the mend. They were on the right path. There was, there was healing happening that has still stagnated. There was restoration that was coming that has still not arrived. And so as you do an autopsy on this failed marriage, the death blow wasn't actually the adultery as much as it was the gossip. But people just need to know, right? Gossip. It's like a destructive blaze. Once it starts, you can't stop it. And I'm telling you, especially in this social media world that we live in right now, sometimes you think, well, you know what? I just got this text. And I'm going to copy and I'm going to paste that. And I'm going to send that back out. And that may seem acceptable, but that's really a form of gossip. If, if taking something that was meant to be private and, and, and making it public. Now, none of you are going to pick up your phone and start dialing 300 of your closest friends to tell them something, Right? But somehow we've got no problem putting it out, all out on, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat, on TikTok, sending it out like that. Let the world know. Got to get my followers. Got to keep my likes. We have to ask, am I making private matters public? Then we have to choose to not be a part of that for two reasons. One is because um, I want to protect others, and I will. Secondly, quite honestly, I also want to protect myself. I want to protect my reputation. Am I a trustworthy person? Can I keep a confidence? Is that what you believe to be true about me? Proverbs 25, 9. When arguing with your neighbor, don't betray another person's secret. 10. Or others may accuse you or gossip and you'll never regain your good reputation. Is my conversation helpful or hurtful? Am I making private matters public? Now, if I haven't stepped on your toes yet, just go ahead and stick your feet out because I'm coming for you, all right? Are you ready? We, we, I don't want to leave anybody out. We are an equal opportunity, toe-stepper honor, offending congregation, okay? So here's the next question. I, I hope this one hits you at some point. Am I permitting others to gossip? Am I permitting... It to happen around me. Proverbs 17, it says like this, wrongdoers. Who are we talking to? We're talking to wrongdoers, okay? So what I'm telling you is that is going to be part of how we see this. Who is it that we're talking about? Wrongdoers. They eagerly listen to gossip. They pay close attention to slander. It's the wrongdoers who are doing that when they listen to gossip. In other words, it's, it's not just wrong to say it, 
It's destructive to listen to the gossip. It's wrong to give it safe sanctuary, to allow gossip to have a safe haven to spread and to replicate. Why? Because what you permit, you promote. If you listen to it, you are promoting it. If you listen to it, you are participating in it. If you are listening to it, you are actually facilitating it. If you welcome it, you allow it to corrupt you. What you permit, you promote. And wrongdoers eagerly listen to gossip. Hey, I, I got to tell you this, right? Oh, you're not going to believe this when I got to let you know. Have you heard? Oh, what are you going to do? You got to learn to draw the line in the sand and say, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I can't be part of that. Oh, we're not going there today. Beep. I got to stop you right there. Okay, let's just back that right up before we go any farther. I'm promoting it if I'm listening to it. And besides, from a very practical standpoint, if they will gossip to you, what else will they do? They're going to gossip about you. That's right. And so we're not going to hang around in that kind of behavior. It's not the world that I want to live in. I'm not going to let you go there because if you're going to gossip to me, you're going to gossip about me. And I, I can't afford that additional weight being placed on my already full life. So, does that mean that we can never talk to somebody about somebody when they're not there? Yeah, that's not what I said. Listen, you can talk good about someone all day long, right? You can brag and brag and say you wouldn't believe how great they are. But can we ever talk about someone in a way to help them? I believe the answer to that is yes. But those times are the exception, not the rule. And they should be very, very rare. When you talk about a person who was not there in a way that is not glowingly positive. So for me, I, I kind of had two guides here. And you can make up your own if you want. First is this. I'm going to talk about someone else who's not there when, number one, I'm saying something constructive that I would also say in front of them. I'm saying something constructive that I would also say to their face. I didn't say I'm going to say something into their face because, you know, honestly, honey, whew, if she was here, I would get right up in her face and I would tell her exactly what I'm thinking about her. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is something constructive that you would say to them. Second thing, everyone involved in that conversation has to be there to help that person. If anyone's there wanting trash, taking notes, well, I'm not talking like that in front of them. Because the bottom line is, the, the, the summary, we have to embrace this truth. You want to summarize everything else so you can take it away and manage this for your week. Your words matter. The words you speak are incredibly important and powerful. Jesus said this, Matthew 12, verse 36, but I tell you that everyone will give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word that they have spoken. Wow, right? Some of us are in for a long meeting that day, right? 37, it goes on, for by your own words you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. Your words matter. What I need to understand is that my words have the power of life and of death. And every time I'm speaking, if you catch me speaking of someone else, I want to be caught speaking well. I want to be caught saying things that are helpful and never hurtful. 
I want to be caught believing the best about other people and never assuming the worst. I want to be a person who is built to be part of the solution. I will build others up and I will never be part of the problem. I'm never going to just be tearing people down. I want my words to be seasoned with salt. That means a preservative, something that will um, keep life extending, full of love, lifting people toward the things of God and always believing the best. I want my words to be helpful and kind and encouraging and full of blessing and never full of curses. I want my words to call myself and those around me eyes up towards Jesus because my words are powerful. And ultimately, I reflect God, our God, who is a speaking God. When he created the earth, remember how he did it? He spoke because his words were life and creation. And to summarize what Christianity is called, it's called the gospel. And if, and if you know what the gospel means, the, the, the word gospel means good news. So rather than being a conduit for bad news and death and pain and destruction, I want to be a vessel for good news, sharing truth and grace of what God can do in the lives of those around us. So when everyone says, hey, Relax, buddy, take it down. It's not that big of a deal. You know, it's not even really hurting anybody. I go, no, 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 it's not true. Words are powerful. And just because everyone else says that it's okay, says that it's acceptable or even necessary, God calls us to a higher standard. And when I'm caught speaking about others, I want to be caught always speaking life and never speaking death. What about you? Father, I pray today that by the power of your living word that transforms lives, that our hearts would be open to what you would say to us. And God, that our conversations would be different because we have been in your presence. God, I want you to guard my conversations, please. Guard them with your Holy Spirit. Remind me that I want to be helpful and not hurtful. I don't want to be making private matters public. I want my words to be the words of life and never words of death. May I go forward today with the intention to speak life wherever I go and regardless of who I am with. I pray this for my friends that are here, that are watching, that are listening. But I know that they are also capable of pledging to you themselves. Prompt them to do that now, please. Holy Spirit, call your people. Call them to yourself right now. Remind us that we don't go forward alone on this day. We go forward with you, always with you. Transform us. Set us free from the bondages that we put ourselves into. Release us to live the life that you have called us into, the freedom that you have promised, even though we don't always see it as freedom from a distance. We trust you that that is the life that you will lead us into and that you will guard all of our relationships at the same time. We're going to go forward. We're going to take another step of trust today, speaking life to those around us. Thank you. Take us forward in Jesus' name. Amen.